0: today's episode.
1: Number one, I think the first thing that comes to mind is understanding what you are really good at or what you have a Hmm. passion about, and then really figure out how you can bring that unique thing to someone else so that it gives them value. So I guess Hmm. the bigger thing was, how can I really create more value? I know what I'm getting. But, like, right. you know, they may not know, like, why would this kid want to do this for free every Thursday and come here in the snow and come here in the rain and show up every every Thursday for free? Yeah. I would do this. And I did this for three years, people. Like, I was still had a day job, but I did this for three years strategically because I wanted to get to a bigger thing. And so I think the first thing is really figuring out what you can bring. A lot of times we... See something we want or we desire, and yeah. we minimize what we actually bring to the table. And therefore, it, oh, it, the, the power of the leverage, you give them way too much power, not mm-hmm. understanding how much power you can actually bring to them.
2: Welcome to the Modern Author Podcast. Your host, Eric Custer. Eric
3: Custer. Eric
2: Custer. You got a big goal? Well, go buy yourself a pair of shoes, but don't let yourself wear them. That's what Emmy-winning show creator and host Mario Armstrong does to help himself have a physical manifestation that he can point to that helps him achieve his goals. And he should know, he has gone on from uh, to become an Emmy-winning producer and host of a show, Never Settle produced um, with the team at the NASDAQ. And, and it is an incredible story. I think as we were talking to him, we saw behind him his Emmy, as well as we saw shoes. And he's a shoe and, and glasses guy, as he said. And he pointed to the exact shoes that he was going to put on and wear when he finished his book which he was working on currently as we uh, had this conversation i think it's a really interesting insight there about sometimes we need to have things that remind us these habits these things around us and for him a pair of shoes that he wants he loves but he can't wear until they accomplishes something that was the way that he sets goals and creates physical manifestations so what is that for you is it shoes is it glasses is it a ring is it a watch is it a new phone buy it Put it somewhere you can see it as a reminder, you'll get that, but when you finish what you're doing here. Uh, I think Mario is an incredible resource and someone who I've been so fortunate to sort of see the way he impacts others. His show Never Settle is something that really has impacted others. And we hear a little bit about the start of it. It was renting space in a startup. It was rolling out his red carpet, calling up friends. These ideas that these things happen in these big gigantic budgets and stuff like that, that's not the way it happens. Small steps, little things, call in every favor. That's the way that we are in charge of our own destiny and dreams. We talk a little bit too about Mario's work of just getting your foot in the door and how for him that began uh, with a small radio station that he was able to just get his foot in the door on during lunch hours in between his day job and doing that work over time, putting in the reps, getting better at it, ultimately led him to success that he has today. So document what you're learning is what Mario's advice is. Whatever that is, whether it's radio, whether it's television, whether it's writing, Do those things and find a way to give yourself those reminders of why you're doing it. What are you doing this for? Is it that shoe? That shoe that's going to be something when you wear it, it's going to remember. Is it that glasses? Is it that phone? Whatever it is. Um, So buy yourself something. uh, But don't give it to yourself. Make sure that you earn it when you do the work that you have. Mario Armstrong, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to blow you away. He blew me away. And I'm so grateful to have got the chance to learn from him. Never Settle is the show. And ultimately, if you're looking for a daily dose of inspiration, follow Mario on the social platforms. Mari Armstrong, ladies and gentlemen, never settle. Get yourself something nice, but don't give it to yourself yet. <laughs> have fun with today's conversation. My man! Hey, oh, Eric, how are, how are you? you? Good to see you. We might need six hours to have this conversation <laughs> with as much magic as you've got <laughs> in
0: your, your head over
2: here. Um, but thank you again for agreeing to do this here. And I thought I would, I wanted to start out here a little bit of what we were talking about on email today about. This interesting journey that you had to become, you've become this this personality out there, but nobody handed it to you. And you no. were telling me earlier about this idea of this free-to-fee sort of journey you went on to break into radio and the television. It was so inspiring. Maybe tell a little bit about that, that hustle factor that broke in.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. It's just one of those things to all the students that are out there and you're trying to think about what do you really want to do with yourselves? Where do you see yourself being and how can you create your own path? That's exactly what I figured out along the way. And so I ended up calling it something and that was from free to fee. But really what it was about really taking steps consistently outside of the educational walls, if you will and really trying to get the experience as much as possible in areas that I wanted to learn more in so that I could actually charge a fee. So to start, I was like, I want to be on radio and television. Like I went to school for communications and because of a crazy turn of events in my um, undergrad experience, I, didn't end up fi- I did not end up finishing um, college. And it caused, you know, this, this this whole other way of me. What am I going to do? And then I realized, okay, even during college, I said to myself, I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to actually buy my own airtime. I saw an ad and I was like, host your own radio show. And I was like, okay, this sounds like me. I want to become a radio host. I want to be in TV and radio. So I found out when I get there, it's a little AM station in Annapolis, Maryland. Shout out to anybody from Annapolis. But you could hear this. You could throw a rock probably down the street. That's probably as far as you could hear this. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's all about where you start, right? This was like a little studio that, let me paint the picture. This was like in a house that was like converted into a studio that had a dish <laughs> in the backyard type of thing. And I ended up having to buy the 30 minutes of airtime. And the only airtime they could give me was 12.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday. Fortunately, my job at the time was only 15 minutes away. So on Thursdays, I would break out at lunch hour eat my lunch in the car, go do this half hour show live. I'd get there five minutes before airtime, do the show. Mind you, I had no experience doing a radio show whatsoever, right? Like you just have to try stuff and understand like you don't fail when you try. You actually learn when you try. And so I would do this show and then drive back to the the, uh, office and like sneak in through the back door to hopefully not be seen because I was always (laughs) like 10 minutes late getting back to work. And that started the path. Once I did that, And once people were listening and calling in and it was like working, I said, how do I get to a bigger outlet? And so I then call around FM stations. But now guess what? I have an AM demo that I can now give you. And they're like, oh, he's already doing this. This is something he's, they don't know if it's successful or not. They don't know if you're, they don't know if your book is going to be like hit the bestseller or not. That doesn't matter. What matters is you put in the time and the energy and the passion to show a level of commitment about something that you wanted to do and you wanted to write about or talk about or share with the world. And that means so much more than a lot of other things that you check off on someone's list in terms of whether or not you want to hire them or work with them or collaborate with them. So that's how it all started, man. And then I guess from that point, it went to, an fm station and then i said okay i can do this how about npr so then i got to npr and i was on morning edition as their tech contributor and then the goal was always to get to television yeah. but i found that i needed to go the radio route because breaking into tv was a little bit more difficult at that mm-hmm. time and then i took the radio stuff i was doing and then went to the tv station and said i want to do something like this but do it week day uh, weekly on your network and I'll do the technology segment every Thursday for free. I'll come mm-hmm. on the morning news, do my two and a half minute thing. I was never on the morning news. I never <laughs> did any TV like that. Like I wanted to learn because I knew that I wanted to see myself on the today show yeah. or on CNN or yeah. on a big network. And in order to do that, I had to get the experience somehow. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized that this process worked where you can build your own credentials and an on in all, in an on and in, unorthodox kind of way by just taking some personal risk on yourself and really giving value to wh- whoever it is you're trying to give value to. So your book still needs to give value. But what you get from that experience, you're going to actually be able to rinse and repeat that for so many mm-hmm. other goals and milestones that you want to accomplish in your life. And then you you know, get to a point where you look up and you're like in the game for eight years and you get an Emmy and you're like, <laughs> I can't believe it. And, you know, and then people are seeing you for the first time. Oh, Mario's got an Emmy. Like he popped up overnight. No, you didn't pop up overnight, dude. This is, I've been working on this for almost 10 years. Yeah. And
2: I was going to ask on that one a little bit here. So it's like you've become this master of the rapid learner. You're like the guy who can like, because again, you're basically learning this on the fly. What do you, what did you do to figure out how to, because, you know, obviously like college teaches you how to consume stuff and take multiple choice tests, but you had to learn all these things so you could add that value. What did you learn about how to learn differently or how to learn
1: faster that's accelerated you in this way? Oh, beautiful question. Number one, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, understanding what you are really good at or what you have a passion Mm. about and then really figure out how you can bring that unique thing to someone else so that it gives them value so i guess Mm. the bigger thing was how can i really create more value? i know what i'm getting but (laughs) they may not know like why would this kid want to do this for free every thursday and come here in the snow and come here in the rain and show up every thursday for free i would do this and i did this for three years people like I was still had a day job, but I did this for three years strategically because I wanted to get to a bigger thing. And so I think the first thing is really figuring out what you can bring. A lot of times we see something we want or we desire and yeah. we minimize what we actually bring to the table. And therefore, it, it, the, the power of the leverage, you give them way too much power, not mm. understanding how much power you can actually bring to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think really understanding that is important. And then being a really good human being, like being nice to people. Like I would show up every Thursday and bring the crew Dunkin' Donuts. Hmm. So I'm not only not getting paid, I'm now spending money. (laughs) And I didn't do it like as some false trick to try to become friends. I did it because the crew's there. I was being appreciative that I was on the air. And so it was just a thing of being a nice human asking a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. and then trying to find someone on the inside that could be a mentor. Once Mm -hmm. you get in and you've gotten in, now it's your job to try to figure out a personality or two that you could say, I really respect what you do. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. You will be shocked at how many people will answer yes, but so many people hesitate to ask.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so a couple of questions. So Michael King, actually, you've got a Baltimore guy here. Michael's from Towson. So you got oh, a Towson yeah. guy here and <laughs> and Aliyah from, uh, they talk about this idea of, so you talk about that early time, early eight years or so before people think you've made it. And yeah. there are, it's not a straight line by any means. None yeah. of us have a straight line for sure. So yeah. how did you give yourself the, the sort of the resilience and to move through setbacks? Cause it's not easy when someone's in that three year, that eight year, that 10 year grind to keep going when you get punched in the mouth, right? Like how did you push through those times of when it's three years and nobody's picking up the phone yet?
1: Yeah, that's a really great I'm wearing a shirt right now that reads in intent. Yes. <laughs> so part of it is really being clear as to what your intent is. What do you really want to accomplish and are you committed to wanting to accomplish that? Because it isn't a straight line. And so here's what I think that I did unknowingly at first but Mm -hmm. now that i've been able to really try to pull back the layers and unpack it it's now a part of the strategy and that is really understand i call it dream far but focus near so Mm. it's really understanding what you really see for yourself in the biggest picture possible normally that big picture overwhelms you enough that you don't know where to begin and so therefore what you need to do is reverse engineer that goal or that destination by really making the smallest steps possible. So the Mm -hmm. way that you beat resilience or the way that you beat the times when you're knocked down or people are saying no is that you constantly are taking very small steps towards the bigger picture mm-hmm. and if you have an opportunity where you can work on a project or intern for someone or or put in some hours for free for somebody even if it's just a couple hours a week make try to your best to make sure it's in the industry of the area you want to go into hmm. And because what you're trying to do is align everything that you're doing, even on the small steps, with what the bigger picture is. And mm-hmm. so it may look like you're jumping to the left or jumping to the right, but no, it's what are you acquiring a different skill? Right. At this particular industry that doesn't, yeah. that industry may not make sense to you, but the skill that you're getting is going to make sense to bringing it back to where your vision is. I heard
2: I, there was, someone asked me a similar question before, and I talked about, too many of us think that we have what's called escalator careers. You get on the right escalator, it's going to take you there. But I think <laughs> that what you're about here, what I like the way you're talking about, it, I call, I said, we need to have video game careers. And that is like, you're <laughs> Mario, <laughs> and you got to like, not this Mario, but the Mario, uh, yeah. Mario, Brothers yeah, grab some coins, you some to jump, jump around. Move around, take things down the hole and stuff like that. But but it is, I think to your point about intent, it's a lot more of an empowered career today. You meet a lot of people who want to break into television today. What do you see that a lot of them do, like that maybe on the negative side that they expect the Escalator to take them there versus the Mario Brothers version or the Mario (laughs)
1: Armstrong version here, a pickup controller? Showing me on paper what they've accomplished, that's not gonna do it. And today I'm talking to my son everybody i'm like christopher your instagram channel is your resume it's not just for you to like horse like fine then come up with a different avatar to horse around with your friends but like Mm -hmm. christopher armstrong on instagram you better be showing that you're a a composer that you write for that you want to be a film a writer for film and Mm -hmm. so so let me see you playing your saxophone let me see you doing the keyboards everything is about showing what you can do because Mm -hmm. what you because there's no excuse now to create You you used to need to be able to have access to get to something in order to prove that you could create something. Oh, I just need to get in the door. Now you don't, but we are locking ourselves out of opportunities because we still think that's the case. So for me, it's, I need to see uh, the first question I say is, can you show me what you've done? Yeah. Like, can do you? Okay, so you want to build website? Okay, what websites have you built? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, seriously, ask someone for free to do it, and so they'll say, Mario, I don't, I'm not on a news channel yet. So what? Did you go shoot a story about that community issue that you're really super ecstatic about, or you're very energized about? Did you go and do a story on that and just put it on your own feed? Show me something of your passion. We yep. don't want perfect. Right. We just want to see that you actually care about something enough that you've actually created something on your own without anyone asking you to do it. <laughs> blows people away. Yeah, It really does. Yeah. It seems so simple, but it, 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 since it's underutilized, I think it has so much power. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about it too, and it's not
2: this massive thing. I think you, you, I read you said you know, small steps over 12 months adds, adds to your greatness here. These small little steps behind it. That's how right. did you like figure out what are those small steps then? Do you, do you have like a strategy for that thinking long versus acting short? Or how
1: do you like approach that for you? Yeah, I think and for everybody, I think it's different because you, what, you, what is small to you may be big to someone else Like mm-hmm. my 100 might seem like somebody else's thousand or so I get that So I think what you really have to what I do is that I really look at what's the end goal So right now i'll give let's give you an example. I have what's on my shelf here what are called tangible affirmations mm-hmm. So these are a pair of shoes. So this is one way I hack myself. Mm-hmm. The, I'm a sneakerhead I love sneakers yeah. and I love eyewear. These are the two <laughs> things that define me from a fashion perspective Mm -hmm. i cannot wear these shoes until i launch my book so i can't wear these shoes so what this reminds me every single day when i come in here and get dressed is i can't wear these shoes although i want to they've been sitting on the shelf now for six months i can't until i get to that book so how do i get to the book mario how do you get to the book all right so what's the date The first thing is set the date. Once the date, okay, Mario, this book's gotta be done, at least manuscript done by the summer of 2021. All right, what does that mean? What kind of book am I writing? How many words do I think I'm gonna do? What are are the chapters I think? So these are all very small steps. And so the first thing is, what's my table of contents? Another small step, who could I get to write my foreword? Another small, now these small steps might take you a week. It might take you two weeks to do that one small step, but you're like at it every single day. Like I've only come up with two chapters. Okay, that's all right. You still got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like you can come up with more chapters later. But the idea is that you just keep coming back to doing some action and then you look up and then you realize that you've hit Um, a certain goal. So what I normally do is I will take the 12 months or the six months and then I will look at what needs to happen in that month. Mm -hmm. And then I will say, okay, in order for me to hit that goal for that month, what needs to happen each week? And then, okay, now I know what I need to do in week one, two, and three, and four. Then what do I need to do in each day of that week of week one, each day of that week of week two. So Mm -hmm. it really is breaking down in a very painful way, the (laughs) smallest steps possible. But the only thing that prevents procrastination, and the only thing that I've seen really work towards resilience is consistent action. Yeah, so you
2: you told, so the video that you shared with us, that I shared with everyone here, about the start of the Neville Never Settle show, which is, that story to me is so powerful because in some ways, you went out thinking like, all right, there's this particular path I'm gonna be on, and right. I'm gonna basically get this on networks, and then they told you like, nah, maybe not. And you no. had to figure this thing out here. How did you go out? Because a big part of this one here is we're borrowing their audience. Here's now you. I got to create this audience. I got to make this show happen here. Tell me about that process of saying, all right, like I'm going to do this thing and what, and take people through the journey from saying, all right, I'm going to have to think differently to own my own audience, own my own channel to make this happen.
1: Yeah, and I was getting a lot of no's and I was already on the Today Show. Exactly. So, so like for some people, they were like, oh, Mario, he's made it. He's there. And it's, yeah, no, not for what he, for that maybe, but not for what he wants to really do, which is to create his own show. So he's being told no. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of things that you need to pay attention to. All of us get told no. Everybody gets told no. The issue is how do you listen to it or how do you probe the no? Hmm. So to me, every no deserves three whys. You have to ask three deeper questions to every no. If someone's giving you a no and then they tell you, oh, it's the wrong time or, oh, your price is too high or, oh, see me next year or this isn't what I thought it was, I thought it was blah, blah. That doesn't mean that something's wrong with your product. It means that you just haven't hit the right person yet and you Hmm. just need the law of averages to work in your favor. So keep going is what that means. But when someone says something over and over, the price is too high, the price is too high, the price is too high, you might need to really look back at your product and really think about maybe tweaking what the price is because you keep hitting this particular challenge Mm -hmm. and so when we were getting our nose they were all over the place so I knew oh this doesn't mean the idea is bad this just Mm -hmm. means I haven't found the right home yet but what happens when you start looking for someone else to be your access point to then create something that a lane to help you catapult you end up hooking your destination or your destiny to someone else. And ultimately we need to be in charge of our own dreams. And then when people see you in action, they come to help you. So Mm -hmm. I'll make the story super quick. We were getting a bunch of no's. We decided, you know what? Let's just do this ourselves because we'll keep asking people and they're either going to tell us no or yes. Do we believe in this enough? Then let's just do it ourselves. How do you do that, Mario? I don't know. Let's write it all out. Like all the things we think are necessary. Let's talk to some people. So then what I did is I called around to some tech companies that had lobbies that were pretty big. Mm -hmm. And I said, can we use your lobby for a studio space? Because we couldn't afford the $300,000 studio in New York. And I said, I'll give you a shout out for your product in the show. And they were like, sure, can you be in and out? We won't even know you were here. I was like, perfect, because we shoot our show at 7 p.m. at night. We'll come in, set it up, and break it down like you won't even know we were here. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. Our first, which, by the way, your first model of anything, your first book, your first website, it should not be, and it won't be perfect. We are characters that are meant to uh, have evolution. We're supposed to evolve. Nothing's perfect. So get that out. So I called, they said yes. I shoot my show there. We do six episodes. It goes nuts. People love it. We have a red carpet experience. I'm having guests like Damon John get onto the show. It's crazy. It's going crazy. And this is the actual season a year later that we win the Emmy for. But at the time, at the end of the sixth episode, the show's over, it's all done. I'm now with three of my teammates. And I'm packing up a, a U-Haul truck. I had just two weeks ago been signing autographs from people wanted to come to the show. They're having a ball. They think I'm on like this other level. And now I'm packing up the, UPS, uh, the U-Haul truck to put the set design stuff in storage. Mm-hmm. So it was a really gritty story is what I'm getting at. And what I'm saying to you is at the end of those six uh, episodes, we didn't know what we were going to do next. But then we get a phone call three months later. Because NASDAQ, I had someone at NASDAQ said, we like what we saw what you did. We like what we saw what you did. Yeah. And and we want to bring that over to NASDAQ. Would you be open? And of course, we didn't say, we didn't know where we were going to go. So thank you. (laughs) We just said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let me talk to my team. Oh, my God. Can you believe Times Square, New York City, in the Mecca of it all, at NASDAQ. This is crazy. And so that's how it all started. But it was only because we decided to actually... Take our own destiny and our build our own credentials and do the work ourselves. Mm-hmm. And on that note, we had to put up a little bit of money. Like we mm-hmm. went in believing in this idea. We paid like probably 20% of the budget, but then got sponsorship for the other 80% mm-hmm. of the budget. So whenever you can, keep your side, keep your day job while you're doing your side hustle as much as you can until it really is the right time for you to, to make that transition. I love it. It is such a, it's such an interesting thing too, right? Like to your point about it, is that you
2: did have to believe in yourself, but you also had to convince other people onesie, twosie how did you get that first set of people to come into the audience there of that sort of like this unknown show you're clearly like a guy who exudes passion what is that like direct hustle game that you play to get those first people
1: to believe you mean like partners and other people to actually believe in the idea yeah yeah Yeah, um uh, being very transparent about what you th- be very realistic about what you think you can accomplish, but push it a little bit further than what you think your reality is and because that forces you to push yourself and not come up with like comfortable goals yeah and that sound too easy you want to make and then the other thing is how can you make something a win for somebody else? I think this is probably something that I overlooked, but that was natural to me is. How do I do a show and, and I need videographers, I need staff, I need a producer, I need writers, I need people on that team and I can't pay them a New York rate. Right. So what was I going to do? Then, okay, what do most people that like to produce like to do? They like to have their ideas be heard. They like to, so I'm not going to them saying everything is baked. Here's the document. Follow this to the T and that's how you work for me. Who wants to work for that? Especially when you're asking, especially when you're saying, and at a discount? So you have to really want to listen to people and want to create something that benefits them. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say to the team, I said, look, this is your show. It's not just Mario show. And I would mm-hmm. put that over and over again and then mean it. Like take the input, allow people to express themselves, incorporate that where you could incorporate that and really show people how they can get value by hitching themselves to your, so here's a question that I ask people. What do you, which, so before I hire, I don't care about your skills. And the first thing I say is, what, what are you passionate about?
2: You're a lot, what what yeah. do you get
1: excited about? What, yeah, what, totally. what moves you? What, where are you trying to go in your career right now? What's the most important skill or project or thing you could acquire for yourself right now? What would bring the most value to you in working for someone right now? Because I want to know where your head really is at, because then what I want to do is as as a leader of the organization, I want to figure out how to make one of my projects actually fit something that is so high on your priority level that you see beyond the paycheck, beyond the transaction, why this is important to you. And me taking the time to be empathetic enough to really say, it's not, I need you to fill this hole. It's about understanding what hole I can fill for you with what right. I have available.
2: Yeah. You've heard, you know, so there's a guy, so Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, he always tells people, he has this amazing question. He says. Uh, I want you to do a tour of duty with us for two years. What's the next job you want after this one at LinkedIn? Which is amazing, right? That's a great question. What skills can I teach you in these two years that will make you valuable for the next one? And it takes an extreme amount of confidence. But also what he said is that people now don't leave. Now they don't because they know that like they're going to keep pushing me to grow and no one else is going to push me in that way, which is exactly what you said there. You're always getting trained and building skills for the next job. So who's going to train you better than where you're
1: working right now? Yeah, no, that's a really great point. And I think for those of you that may be more timid, oh man, Mario's got so much energy, he can really talk and all that stuff. For those of you who feel more timid, I think it's not about the energy that I exude. It, that has something to do with it, but you can get energy from people that know what they're talking about without yeah. all the rah-rah. In yeah. fact, in some cases, the rah-rah can make you look almost too salesy. Hmm. Almost, <laughs> almost, yeah. almost, yeah, I don't know if that guy's really is on really down to earth or if he's on cloud nine with this idea and he talks a big game type of thing. What really is important is that you understand why you are passionate about the thing you're passionate about. Yes. That, to me, supersedes everything because then your energy is natural. Don't try to talk the way you think they want you to talk. Don't try to present the way you think they want you to present. Be authentically you because when you are, it makes it so much easier for you to just naturally be passionate Mm -hmm. about what it is even without all the crazy excitement and the bells and whistles. People don't need that. What they need to really feel is the sincerity. I say right now, vulnerability is the new currency. Yeah. And so what I'm asking you to do is get more vulnerable with maybe being uncomfortable talking on video. Okay then why not turn off the video and send it as an audio pitch? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be on video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it would be great for me to hear it in your voice as opposed to hearing it in your email. So I yeah. would do tactics like that to try to get people to hear what it is I'm, I'm trying to get them to be a part of as opposed to reading about what it is I'm trying to be a part of. Yeah, Have them be a
2: part. It's awesome. So you've been super great for your time. I got one more question. Then we're going to do our little group photo here. Because again, okay. I, you've been uh, so great. And just so you know, too, like the group of students here, we do something fun where they're going to send you their books when they're done. All the books that you've inspired. So we got- Are you kidding me? You're going to be getting <laughs> I got a ton a whole of books. To be... I got a whole
1: show. I'm ready. I'm ready. Exactly. I'm ready for it. I mean, you're going you're
2: gonna, to you're gonna need to fill some more shelves here. We might have to move some sneakers down if we're not careful here. Dude,
1: I just, you know, it's so amazing what you're doing for these students. Students, you may, some of you that are on the fence about what Eric's methods are, I don't know Eric. I have just met him, but the just research, met. just met. But the research that I did on Eric and the research that I did on what he's doing and watching that video about how he's talking about what he's trying to do to help you move the meter for yourself family, you guys have to understand something. This is mind blowing to me because this is exactly what I did 10 years ago and it's changed my life. And if you can accelerate what I did in 10 by taking this course and whether or not it happens in the first three months, six months or three years, the point is this process is absolutely going to change your life. And it's proof because I just also got a book from a friend. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but I I feel compelled to share this. I just got a book from a friend, right? And it's called uh, We Wear Kicks to Work. And these are, it's when pop culture meets leadership and education. So these two guys are about leadership and education and how education needs to change, but they love wearing kicks, whether they're in suits or not. They're like, wear kicks. And they found that, that was like the thing that connects them to students when they could start talking about Air Jordans and different shoes that are coming out. And, and, and other educators were like, I, I don't get why you're doing that, blah, blah. He wrote a book. The book is literally 101 pages. 101 pages. Yep. I am so in that I'm so into this book. <laughs> I'm like on page 50 and can't put it down because all he's talking about is what he's been seeing in the educational system and what he's been trying to deliver to the educational system and also what he's learning along the way. He's not an expert. In the right. educational system, now doing a Me book, <laughs> writing a book documenting the process of yeah. him learning about what he's doing. And so when I see this, I'm like, oh, damn, his credentials just went up. Yeah. Like he's on Amazon, the book is actually selling. Educators are now picking it up. You think he's gonna get more gigs? You think he's gonna get a TV segment? You think so? Like it's going to happen. So what I'm hearing you do for your students. I don't care what your passion is, like from fishing to AI, (laughs) like like the fact that you're getting students to actually create a finished, tangible product that they can be proud of, that shows people their commitment. It shows your future hires, your future bosses, your future partners, your future investors, your future collaborators. It shows them your commitment, no matter what it is. So many people want to do a book and haven't done one, and you'll be able to say you did that's crazy to me dude I, you're
2: absolutely right though like when you were telling your story what, what and i was saying this is what people should be doing in everyone in life right every one of us needs to create that and what, what i like about you is i always say this all the time and before we met you got to create your own demo reel and, and you did that you've created your own demo reel and whatever it is whatever that thing is your demo reel is super powerful and however it is that's the thing like and i always tell people unless you have proof of it, you probably didn't learn it. It didn't happen. And I think that's what, yep. you know, AM radio at 1230 every day or every Thursday is
1: your <laughs> proof of it. <laughs> like today, it builds, it compounds in so yeah. many ways. It's so true. It's so true. Don't, just believe in yourself, find supportive people, Reach out to me on Instagram. If, if any of you that are in this class, this is what I do, just because this is what I do and what I love to do. So, yeah. if any of you are in this class and you need someone else to be a support system, or at, but outside of Eric and any of the other advisors, like I, I may go a little bit extra in how I offer myself up, because unfortunately, only a small percentage always come through. Yeah. So, this is also a challenge to see how many of you all, there's what, 58 participants in here. Yeah. My guess is that five to six people will actually hit me up. but On Instagram, I mentor all the time in the DM. So if you follow me on at Mario Armstrong, if you ask me any questions, I will actually reply. Give me a day or two, but I will actually reply. Mm -hmm. And it may be by voice, it may be by video, it may be by text, but if you're stuck on something or just need some other encouragement, because that's the thing, Eric, like, you, you know, to, to hold yourself accountable is tough in and of itself. Agreed. And then you do it under social injustice. You do it under COVID. You do it under, you know, job loss. You do it under all this other conflict that happens around us, but it affects us. You start to really need an accountability partner. So please, whether that's me or someone else that you can uh, identify with and meet with once a week to say, Hey, how are you coming? How are you going? What did you win? I do what's called a three wins exercise every single Sunday with my family and friends. I'll get on the phone or I'll hop on Zoom every Sunday. And I'm like, what did you win at this week? And they don't need to be. I won an Emmy. It can just be, I got five pages done in my book, or yep. I actually figured out what it is I think I'm going to work on, or I got this email response that I was that I didn't think was going to happen, or I had this great call with a friend that I haven't talked to in a while. Like You just need to remind yourself about the wins that you're having because we have them, but we're so wired to know what we didn't win at mm-hmm. that we beat ourselves down. And then the yep. inner critic really starts to work at us and that yep. self-doubt starts to kick in. Yep. So you got to have these systems. See, I'm getting into the neuroscience of it all but you got to get into <laughs> systems that support you and whatever eric's sharing with you i can already tell he's p- giving you people tactics advice and topics and things to help support you but if i can be of any support outside of the classroom please don't you know hesitate to reach out to me like, we have time for questions from the students or no absolutely I just... does anyone want to drop a question
2: in or have a question here as long as you're game to hang out we'll hang out
1: man are you kidding me this is like what it's all about oh like
0: yeah. my I, like I... how are you my name is Medina. It looks like Modenat, but it's pronounced Medina. <laughs> I'm actually in Baltimore. So the book that I intend to write right now, the
1: working title is Everyone is Lying About College. And the idea behind the book is that there are a lot of misconceptions that we all have about what the college experience is going to look like. Mm. When Eric was talking to us about telling us a little bit about you, and I think you mentioned that you didn't finish. What, was, what is something that you thought about college that once you started that experience, you realized was completely untrue? I thought that going to college would guarantee me a career.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's like the number one.
1: And then the next one, I thought going to college would accelerate my possibilities and opportunities. And then I think the last one would be, I thought that by going to college, I could make other people proud, but mm-hmm. not myself.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's
1: I was awesome. doing it for the wrong reason at a certain point.
0: That is extremely helpful. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Great question. I can't read to read that book. That sounds really empowering. <laughs> I'll autograph it just for you. Yes, please. I like hey. the way you're thinking already. Autographing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I like that.
3: I got I one of the a question In here. Aaron Brooks? Aaron. All right, let's hear it. Hey, Mario, how are you? Good to. Hey, very good to meet you. I just uh, sent you a LinkedIn connection. Um, okay. Well,
2: I'll look for that. Thank
3: you. Yeah, I was, in, I was inspired to do that. I'm writing a book about sincerity, sincerity, the roadmap to living your best personal and professional life. And, um, man, thank you. As, I, I just want to thank you sincerely for what you've had to say, because I really, it seems to me like very little of what you have accomplished would have been possible without sincerity and authenticity <laughs> and trust and all the things that, that I think are just a, 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 a imperative. I'm wondering if there's any particular stories that you might tell where without that sincerity and passion, those things would just not have been able to happen for you. And, and that might be difficult for you, just given that I know that it just comes from within your heart and your soul. And, but I'm um, wondering if there's anything that might jump to mind.
1: Yeah, Aaron, great question, great topic. It's a word much like empathy that's like being, that's lost. So I love this word, sincerity, because really what you're asking people to do is dig deeper into themselves in order to really get to the truth. And then because you can try to, you can try, you can sugarcoat your pitch or your proposal or your idea, but people will always get the truth out of you, whether it's from your nonverbal communication or some other way. So sincerity is more than just saying it, right? It's like the moves you make, the things, your character that you are, the person you're developing. And so it's like integrity over income. And so I just think that uh, every project that I did, I was sincere in that moment about what it was I was trying to accomplish. The only thing I would probably, I think being honest that I had to work on was selfishness. I had to work on Trying not to be as uh, I I started off things selfishly Like I thought that I was the one that could have to be make that make it happen I thought that it was my idea and it had to go that way And I learned early on that was like a recipe for self-destruction, but I just I, I don't all of my stories were sincere So it is hard for me to figure out one that wasn't the what I will say is Sincerity the hardest thing about being sincere is that it hurts
3: Mm.
1: Like to me, sincerity, actually be prepared for the hurt because you're looking for other people to respect and appreciate your sincerity. When you put yourself out there and you're sincere about it and people that you thought would be there to support or look out for you aren't it can do one of two things. It can really let you know that they just don't understand what you're trying to accomplish and maybe they'll come back around or that you just need to move on and find a different group. But what most people start doing- Yeah, but what most people might start doing, though, is they start actually cheating themselves because they don't think that the the sincerity is what's actually getting in the way of their success. Mm -hmm. So now they want to try to shortcut sincerity and do it a different way that's not being truthful. And so that's the thing that I really get fearful about with people that – haven't had success yet with being sincere, but I think we're at a place in our country and, in, and really in our culture where authenticity and transparency yeah. is becoming more comfortable. Like I'll go on IG live and I'll say things and I get, I still to this day will get a phone call from my dad. Why are you sharing about that loss that you had? Like when you <laughs> didn't win that contract? Why would you tell people that you didn't win that contract? And why are you getting teary-eyed about why you didn't get into? And I'm like, Dad, it's not about me. And I get it. Your generation, or you may not, but vulnerability with sincerity actually matters. So I, I hope that wasn't too long of an answer, no, but I, I really love, but you, I love you the can. deepness of this
3: book. Mario, man, I'll tell you, thank you. I hope you, if you have a little bit of time, I'd love to spend some because I'd love to dig into some of this with you. You are exactly... This is why I'm doing this. You are why I'm writing this book. Dude, if I can be
1: if I can be a part of the book or help or something, I'm in. So yes, I'll follow Thank up you. on your LinkedIn. Done. Here.
2: done. Uh,
3: Thank you, Eric, for putting this together. You, you are bet. Mara's so you better boy. and better every time, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh We'll Eric. tell Jason Aiden that one. I don't know, Mario, it's gonna raise the bar here, I guess, here. Mike yeah. King from Towson here. Yeah. Towson. Hey, hey, what's, what's up? up? How, how, you a question. Hey, what's up, what's
1: up, Mario? Yeah, it's been a while, man, since the DJing at the parties in UMBC and Towson. Yeah, I was gonna say, yep, you probably, yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. So I had a question for you, man. Uh, how yep. do you deal with setbacks? The setbacks are tough. The setbacks, I, I just had one the other day where something that I was really banking on that I was going to work on with Damon and John. And, and I can say this because we're just he's comfortable with me saying it, but it's not going to work out the way I envisioned it. And it was, a, it was a pretty major setback because of the amount of time and energy that was already put into an idea that now has to get reworked. And it's not his fault, but it's just some changes in the structure. So we have to now come back at it again and I have to try to figure out how to make it work under these new different parameters that he now has on him. And for me, it's a couple of tactics. And whatever works for you, lean into it. But for me, number one is not trying to blow past the emotion of actually dealing with the fact that you just felt you got kicked in the chest. Like actually feeling that you just got, it's okay, man, I feel like I just got knocked down. Not in, in the whole hype of, that's all right, just get back up. You can run right through it. No, you can't right now. Right now, you can't even begin to think past the fact that you still are, you got your chest caved in. And so owning up to that moment and just allowing that to be present so that you can feel that and just understand it. Then what I want you to do, when, don't sit in this for months. Don't sit in this for weeks. Like recognize the hit. But then what I want you to do is quickly think of any other time in your life when you got kicked in the chest and there's been several any other time and i want you to think about those the ones that you got kicked in the chest that you overcome i don't care dude i go back to a fort when i was 14 when this stuff happens to me i actually channel a moment when i was 14 years old playing in pikesville rec league and i ended up hitting like this game-winning shot and it, like at, at the buzzer and everything and the team and the stands went crazy. And I just remember getting picked up and I was 14. And I still use that today to remind me like you did, you did. Like I was told I could never play basketball. I was too short. was too thin, not strong enough. Couldn't shoot. All I could do was really dribble and see the court. So I was always being like, never picked up. I was like always the last one to be picked up on the sidelines to be put onto a game. So like, I had all these no's all the time and I had a lot. Of, but now more recently... I can look back to smaller things that are significant. This is why I tell people to do tangible affirmations because these pair of shoes I couldn't wear for two years until I got my first talk, until we got that show that Eric and I were discussing, Mm -hmm. then I could wear these shoes. It took me two years to build that show. But here's the thing, every time I get with some self doubt, I go looking right for these shoes now. Cause I go, damn, I remember when everyone told us no and we couldn't do the show and I got the shoes to prove it. So I now use these tangible affirmations as reminders of winning. So basically all of that to say, however you wanna make the hack work for you, the issue is you really want to rechannel a moment in your life that you did overcome. And you really wanna close your eyes and absorb that full moment, the emotion, the sense, who was there, what do you see? Like really embody that to try to shift your mindset. And the other thing you need and look this up, it's called a pattern interrupt. And if you look it up on Google, pattern interrupt is basically completely interrupting whatever pattern you're dealing with at that moment. And it forces you to change the environment around you or within you. And so for me, it could be a motivational playlist that I'll play. That's a simple tactic. Sometimes that can get me out of it. When it gets really tough, I'll go and take a, especially in, in quarantine, in, in these kind of COVID times, I'll go and take a shower at two o'clock in the afternoon if my day is going bad and I'll change clothes. I like restart. I reboot the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah. the point is you have some tools that you can do to choose to try to like, you have a choice to whether you really want to sit in it and sulk in it, or if you want to absorb it, understand it, and then do something about it. There's so many different ways to make uh, progress
0: yeah.
1: on it. T- you got time for one more Mario at least? More? yeah and i'm sorry i would love to answer more i'm just i'm going too long-winded i should make no, no
2: you're doing great you're doing great yeah. jeff i think jeff schaefer has got our our next one here you want to give us a
1: question jeff certainly uh thank oh, wait, you i'm I sorry think... jeff hold on one second i just saw anna said i thought i was alone with the shower forced reset <laughs> anna we're, we're we're alike the shower the forced shower reset is genius to me it completely works i'm sorry go ahead No problem. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Mario, for coming and uh, speaking with us. This has been so energizing and so refreshing. My book is called Black Excellence, Journeys of Success, and I'm really just going through sharing the the stories of a number of people, uh, Black people from various professions, various backgrounds about how they've overcome difficulty and challenges in their lives Mm -hmm. and using this as a platform to educate, inspire, and inform other people. But the question that I had for you was, how did you develop the courage to be vulnerable? You spoke about vulnerability being the new currency. So in your own life, how did you develop? Because it takes courage in order to really authentically be vulnerable. So. Great question. I'm going to answer that, but I also want to say this and I don't want to forget. If any of you are doing like interview based books, when you're going to be talking to people, I would challenge you to also make sure that you're recording those either in audio at a minimum or at best with video. Because we those are going to be- we teach it. Don't you worry? We teach okay, it. Okay, perfect. Fantastic. <laughs>
2: fantastic. Don't you worry? We use Otter at all. Otter is a way to not only record. Oh yes, it, Otter but yeah. it.
1: Oh man, that's my go-to. Like absolutely, because then it's it's done. Like you not only get the audio, but you get the text, and now you just have to edit edit text. Like, yeah, that's great. To answer that question, which is a beautiful question, everybody's level of courage is at a different state depending on your background, what you've been exposed to, how you've been treated. And so what works for me may not work for others, but whatever works for you, the point is to take some steps. So the way that I think you can help develop more vulnerability or more courage is finding something small that is a little uncomfortable for you to talk about and start talking about it. Maybe you don't wanna tell someone that you're diabetic and that's the big thing and maybe that's a lot of vulnerability, you don't want people to know that. Okay, so just tell people how you're having some challenges with your eating habits or your diet or your blood sugar levels. Notice I'm not saying anything about being, having being diabetic or diabetes, but it's getting you more comfortable because what you find is that if you can start taking small steps into the thing that makes you uncomfortable, first and foremost, growth people does not happen. It just, if you're in this class, you want to grow. So in order to do that, please do yourself a service stretch because you cannot grow. If you are not uncomfortable, if you're not uncomfortable, there just is no growth. Just, just fess up. Just, yo, I'm just going to be complacent in life. And that's just who I want to be. And that's fine. If that's really what you desire to be, but don't have ambitions and then not match it with actions. And that requires courage and that requires trying and that requires risk. So to answer the question, I would say talk about something very minuscule that makes you uncomfortable. It may be something you've been bullied about, maybe something that you were bullied on as a kid. And then once you start having that conversation, what you're going to find is that so many people start coming out of the woodwork saying, I had that same problem, or my cousin had that issue, or I got a brother that deals with the same thing. Here's what they found worked for them. So find something that makes you still feel a little safe to talk about, but yet makes you still feel uncomfortable to talk about. And you'll realize that people are more embracing than adversarial to you, and then you'll start to lean into it more. And I would try doing it with some friends, and I would also try maybe going on, like just going live, maybe on Facebook or Instagram and just, has anybody else had this kind of issue? Like you throw it out. Has anybody else dealing with this thing? So you throw it out to start a dialogue and a discussion you, you'll realize how many other people start jumping on that wagon with you and it makes it easier.
2: I love it. love it.
0: Uh, Thank you so much.
1: You got time for one
2: Great more question. or two yeah. more do we got for you? Two more? Two more yeah, I'm ones? good. All right, Melissa, how about you, Melissa, next? Why don't you give us your uh, question here, Melissa?
3: Uh, Hi, Mario. Thank you so much for this talk. I, I was curious, and you addressed this a little bit in the last question, but how do you create boundaries between your public persona and your personal life? And how, as you've become more brave and courageous with sharing, how have you navigated what those boundaries are for you?
1: Beautiful question. When you live, so when you live in your purpose, it's so much easier for you to not have to worry so much about boundaries. When you are more, and don't take this the wrong way, but when we're a little bit more driven by our ego, or when we're a little bit more driven by our self-esteem, then we create these boundaries, even subconsciously, of what we won't go into. And so if we can remind ourselves... That you're here for a purpose and the purpose isn't just for you. That each and every last one of you on this call has a gift. Whether you want to acknowledge it, it's up to you. But you have a gift and a talent. Sometimes we want to ignore it and we don't answer the purpose that's calling for us. But if you can answer the purpose that's calling for you, you end up finding yourself more aligned with your true purpose. And when you do, you start to notice that the boundaries disintegrate. And so there are certain boundaries of certain things, like maybe I won't go into super details about something that's uh, challenging in my marriage. But, maybe I, but at the same token, maybe I will because I'll talk to my wife and I'll say, hey, honey, is it okay? We're working through this thing. Is it okay if I talk about this because I think it could also help other people. So I just think that it's, I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe that life is a continuum and that there are moments when you're working And there are moments when you're just doing life, whatever, whatever that may be outside of working, but that you're always in, if you're always present, you're always in the moment that you're in. So there is no real balance. It's just, what are you balancing in that moment that you're in? And that's a hard place to try to get to, but I think that's really helped me not have as many guardrails, but at the same time, not just be a loose cannon with sharing everything. That's not the point. The point to me is I think the guardrails help to get disintegrated when you identify something that may be painful to you, that's valuable to someone else, and then you realize that your role is bigger than your pain. And when you realize that your role is bigger than your pain, it starts to make it easier for you to actually talk in a way where those boundaries don't hold you back from sharing. I hope that helps. Great.
2: All right. All right. Last question here. Nate Jones is going to bring us home here.
0: All right, Mario. Thank you so much for everything you've said. Uh, I've been really feeling your energy and I'm that same sort of person. I'm a professional musician and I'm writing a book that is basically a book of my songs where nice. each chapter, each chapter will begin with a song title and then the lyrics to the song. And then people will have the opportunity to go find me online and listen to the song at each chapter. Nice and the chapter itself uh, will be stories, anecdotes, memoirs, philosophy from my life and things that I've experienced and trying to tie together everything I've experienced.
1: It, 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 and it's like relevant to the song as well. Like here's why I wrote this song or here's what this song was about or what was going through me at the time. And like all of that context goes along. Absolutely. With it. Oh, that's beautiful, man. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's hot. Thank,
0: thank you. It's an idea that came to me because I feel like the music industry has taken a huge hit with COVID. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I want to be able to, I'm really curious to explore the intersection of literature and music and how so many musicians like me consider themselves poets, but it's, I'm not like Walt Whitman. I'm not going to release Leaves of Grass or something. It's 2020. So how like I to reach those people and present my song as poetry, but then someone has the chance to look into me if they feel that I've delivered them enough value with the song. So I'm dealing with some pretty big imposter syndrome because last year, the first mm-hmm. song I ever put out was voted onto the official Grammy ballot for two Grammy Awards.
1: Holy, this is the most beautiful thing, dude. This is what we mean. This is what Eric is saying. Take action because every action creates a positive or negative reaction. Like every action you take, you will have some kind of reaction to it. Okay, so what's the imposter syndrome? Like You you don't feel like you're worthy of the Grammy even though you've been nominated?
0: So what it is, I guess my imposter syndrome comes from knowing that I want to help usher in what I call the psychedelic renaissance that's going on in our world where mm-hmm. people are taking back their consciousness. And I believe music is a conscious activity. Not everyone has the privilege of say, going on a plant medicine retreat or right, experiencing right. a mindfulness community. Some people, yep. as you said, are dealing with a lot of things. So how can I, uh, Basically, how can I present myself as an authority on the subject of music, mindfulness, conscious evolution without turning people off to say, oh, this guy, like he's just had luck or he's got white privilege or like he's got different things. Because I have, I've had my share of setbacks. I guess it's basically I'm ready to like level up and take my message to the world. There's that fear of criticism or that fear of rebuke when you put your ideas (laughs) Dude,
1: I love the rawness of this question. This is going to help so many people. And this is so big because let let me just say this first and foremost. Number one, beautiful idea. I love this. You have to continue to push forward no matter what anybody else else says. Uh, Number two, when your intent is in the right place, everybody else's opinions are irrelevant. I need you to put that in your phone as an alarm and you read that three times a day. When your intent is in the right place, everyone else's opinions are irrelevant because it's true. You're not, especially when you're trying to do something that is got this. It's not about how do I capitalize. Although it's fine for capital and concern to be in the same bucket. Like you can be compassionate and still have currency. It's fine, but. People, it's what you're so, wor- you're too worried about what other people, we are in a society where we are ad- addicted to other people's validation,
2: mm-hmm. which we,
1: we have an addiction to validation and it's, and it, it takes different moments for us to break free of that. And what I want you to do is start really working on that by reminding yourself that you are coming at this from a really great place of positive intent and constantly coming back to your center, which is that why. And as long as you keep coming back to that, the people that are the voices and the noise and all that stuff doesn't matter because what you start doing is you start radiating energy that will bring you the people that need to come to you and by the way if you're doing something that's really powerful you're going to have detractors that that don't agree and don't understand it and then you're going to have a bunch of people that do agree and understand it your job isn't to try to convince the detractors even though i know that's what we want you want to try to reach but and eventually you will but you never will if you hook your validation onto them or you allow them to take you off of your mission and off your direction and off your path. So please just stay with good intent, like the sincerity that was brought up earlier, stay with that authenticity. And then the only other thing that I would suggest for people in imposter syndrome is a lot of times you're trying to, you're dealing with the fact, I don't, ha- I'm not an expert. So how can I talk on this? So then here's what you do. You, you don't try to be the expert. You, you document what you're doing as you're learning to become the expert. Okay. You understand the difference? The difference is instead of me trying to say, I know this will work for you because I have 20 years experience, 10 years experience, you can truthfully say, I really don't know, but here's what I'm studying. Here's what I'm finding out. Here's what I'm uncovering and being a little bit more truthful in the documentation of your process as opposed to trying to convince someone that you have the process.
0: Okay. Okay. So that. you're basically saying, it. what you said reminds me of this author, Jen Sincero. She's the author of the Badass series. And she wrote the, the book, You Are a Badass, while she was like still moving out of this shack, basically, that she was living in. And it was about her growth rather than, hey, I'm a life coach. Here's how you fix your life. It's That's
1: exactly like- it. That A chef that really wants to start to get classes and do other things, and, but they have no experience as a chef. They haven't been in a restaurant before, but they can cook their butt off, at, and their family loves their recipes and all that stuff. That chef just needs to turn on the camera and just start saying, I'm trying out some recipes. This is what it should be. It's, it's just, I'm trying. I'm growing. I'm developing. I'm learning. I'm studying. These are the words that you say that tell people that you are committed to an area, but in in an area that you may not yet be an expert in, but because you're saying I'm committed, I'm studying, I've researched. When you start doing that more evidence-based documenting style with what you're doing, you get more credibility to follow you along the way because you're not just spitting stuff. You're actually also backing that up with some
0: evidence absolutely thank you my question um to you which is th- at this point it'll probably be super brief mario is do you have any ways that you remind yourself i love that story from when you were 14 with the the buzzer beater like yeah do you have any ways that you like for me like here i'm in my studio right now so over my recording unit i have this picture of abbey road because <laughs> I, i'm on the ballot with paul mccartney and yeah. so i i use that to remind myself like hey you're on the Grammy ballot with Paul McCartney, like maybe you should take yourself more seriously. Dick, do, do you have a way that you just shake out that imposter syndrome like that's really reliably works for you
1: that's a great hack visual visualization is usually the best thing for me really just visualizing a previous one or a previous accomplishment or something that was very challenging that i did overcome and just doesn't matter if it's in the same field or not just something that reminds me that i was able to overcome a significant challenge in my life Proves that I will over that I am in the spot that I'm supposed to be in at this point and that I will overcome any challenges I'm currently facing. Awesome. Look, 85%. Who did the study? Cornell University did this study. 85% of the things that we worry about, 85% do not come true. 85%. So we spend a lot of times in our head, a lot of time in our heads and in our thoughts about things that won't even happen. For the 15% that it does come true that their worst case scenario, and by the way, when we think about something not happening, we go to the worst case scenario of it. We don't go to what's a small thing about it might not happen. We go straight to the cliff edge of what could possibly go wrong. Out of those 15% where they said it actually did come true, 79% of them realized that they had enough resilience to get past it. 79% of the people that ended up having their worst thing manifest found out that they actually had the resilience to be able to get past it or that they learned an incredible lesson from it. So don't worry about others. Don't worry about what the validation worry about what you can do to bring you back. And to me, it sounds like you're super passionate about your story And about why you're doing it, and you're doing this for other musicians, and you're doing this for the culture, and you're doing this for mental health, and you're doing this for so many other reasons that you don't have the time to actually be selfish enough to actually give a damn about what somebody has to say about you. Nate. you're just, you're important, but get me, you're just not that important, dude, but you are. You understand what I'm saying? Don't right. allow your ego to make you feel like you're so important that it actually matters what other people are saying. Constantly put yourself back into the importance of the work and right. the impact Purpose. that you want to have. That's
2: yeah. it,
0: my friend.
1: That's it. Cool. It.
0: Thank you so much.
2: You're are you, you are the man. You should teach this class, honestly. Like, I feel like,
1: yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're, like, I want to go, I got work to do now, my friend. Um. <laughs> I want Again, to team up with you. When I started doing research on what you were doing, Eric, I said, this is amazing what you've unlocked, my friend. You are really changing the trajectory. And the fact that you actually cared as a teacher and as a, you know, a quasi teacher, like this isn't, we'll yeah, I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm telling this professor I'm going to leave. And they're like, ah, <laughs> oh, you can't. And then you're like, but I'm not moving the meter. Like yep. I got two entrepreneurs out of a whole semester that happened. Like this isn't doing anything. Yep. And to really take the care to re rework how your energy was going to be used and what experiences you can lean on. Like, guys, if you haven't researched enough of Eric's story, it makes sense because I think researching his story gives you more understanding of your own story because what he's doing is something that is so impactful and different, it really is going to dramatically change some outcomes for many of you. Here's the thing, this does a lot for me too. Trust me, when I get to see that... Well, People really care talk... about themselves. This, this really helps me. And you
2: also said something really powerful here that you were working that? on a book here. So I am not know can help
1: with, with, with your book here. Uh, put on these damn shoes. These are really fly shoes that I cannot wear yet. And I really won't put these on. Here's what
2: we're going to do. You got to tell me what they are so I can get a matching pair. So when we oh! get
1: those, those shoes out, I'm coming to wear them with you. You know what? Done. i mean <laughs> I just really appreciate everything that you all are working on. I know it's not the easiest, but nothing easy was ever worth it so keep going don't give up and you got a boy you got your boy right here hanging in the wind anytime you need a six man to come out onto the squad and help you with anything you're working on never never settle that's uh, never settle that's it right yes it is eric yes it is my friend thank you mario